Gracious God, let these words be more than words. Give us the spirit of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. What does it mean to be a person of faith? I've been struck lately how often I consider this question. We live in a time of change, maybe even crisis in the church, there's no doubt. Pews that were once full are a little more spacious on Sunday morning. Some of our sisters and brothers are looking at their church finances only to discover they may need to leave a beloved historic building if they're able to keep the congregation open. There is anxiety in the system. We're very fortunate at Holy Communion. We're not in any danger of closing. Our congregation is growing, not quickly, but sustainably. Still, the wider question continues to come up for me, even as your pastor here. What does it mean to be a person of faith in this changing landscape? And the question usually occurs on the edges of the community of faith and indirectly. I'm sometimes working through premarital counseling with a couple where one person is an active member of the congregation and their partner stays away from church. How do we talk about faith? The question arises when I work with family members as they plan a burial for a loved one who has died. More often than not, active members of a Christian community are in the minority. What is faith? A question came up for me this week at Theology on Tap. A group of about 30 of us gathered to talk about gun violence. I stayed after and talked with our bartender for a little while, who called himself an atheist. But, he said, I really liked what you guys were saying. (laughs) I find myself wondering in all of these encounters, what does it mean to be a person of faith? In some ways, I'm not really anxious, I'm hopeful. I know the church will change, and let's be real, the church needs to change. Most churches wouldn't start their mission statement like we start ours. Holy Communion is a welcoming and diverse community. So many people have told they are not welcome by the church because they asked questions about whether the earth was just 6,000 years old or about the authority of a leader. People have been told they aren't welcome because of their gender, their sexual orientation, their class, their race, or their political position. When church spends its time excluding people, when the church often offers bad news, can we really wonder why Sunday attendance is down? The church needs to change, and the church is changing. I am confident that there will be followers of Jesus in the years and the centuries to come because I think our world is in need of what Jesus has to offer. More than they know, our society is hungry for good news. That is what the gospel means, after all, good news. Our church may look very different in the years to come, but our society will remain hungry for good news. I think that deep down, without naming it, people are hungry for faith. So what is this faith? What does it mean to be a person of faith? The book of Hebrews answers the question at length in our reading. 
and it'll go on next week. This is actually the first of a two-sermon series on faith and the nature of faith based on this reading of the book of Hebrews. Here's Hebrews' answer this morning. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I'm going to spend my time on the first phrase in that sentence, the assurance of things hoped for. The writer of Hebrews goes on, By faith, Abraham set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he reached the promised land. By faith, Abraham and Sarah had children in their old age. Now don't start sneaking out the door. I know some of you are very grateful to have made it beyond childbearing years. <laughs> You're not really interested in God rewarding your faith by giving you children when you are, in the words of Hebrews, as good as dead. <laughs> Sometimes the writers of the Bible don't make the best word choices. Still, don't get nervous. God probably won't choose to bless you with children in your wiser years because you have faith. Probably. There are other blessings that come from faith. The writer of Hebrews goes on in some verses that aren't in our reading this morning. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph warned his people of their coming exodus. By faith, Moses was hidden from Pharaoh and grew up to lead his people out of Egypt. The author goes on and in a verse that we'll read next week says... Time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire. Faith has consequences. Now the author of Hebrews wrote these words thousands of years after the events occurred. As they say, hindsight is twenty-twenty. It's easy to see faith in God at work when the people are already saved. It's a little more difficult when you're facing the lions and you can see them licking their lips. But that's just it. Faith, in the tradition of Hebrews, is about the long view. Hindsight may be 20-20, but foresight is pretty good too. We do well at taking the long view at certain times, like the beginning of the school year before the homework starts, before we're in the middle of grading and the long hours of soccer practice, school, homework, musical rehearsal, when we take back-to-school pictures, it's easy to be filled with ideas of college and career and hope for the year ahead. The trick is to hold on to that long view. How do we keep the faith? The writer of Hebrews goes on to say that many of the biblical heroes died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. Here, the letter of Hebrews invokes Moses specifically. In the book of Numbers, we learn that Moses died before the people made it to the promised land. He dies up on a mountain where he can see the long view. He has faith that they will make it there. And Dr. King famously used this image in his final sermon the night before he was gunned down. I have been to the mountaintop, he said. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know 
that we as a people will get to the promised land. That's faith. There's a poem that's come to mean a lot to me. It's called The Prayer of Oscar Romero. It's partly why I paid attention to it in the first place. The martyred Archbishop of El Salvador who stood up for the rights of the poor is one of my heroes. There's a mystery to the title because it's not really a prayer. And more importantly, it wasn't written by Archbishop Romero. It was written by another Catholic bishop around the time of Romero's death. Still, the poem speaks, I think, to the tense situations that Dr. King and Archbishop Romero faced. Here's the poem. It helps now and then to step back and take the long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a tiny fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. The bishop wrote this poem to a group of priests, and so it goes on saying that no church program ever ushers in the second coming of Jesus, no prayer circle is ever complete, no pastoral visit ever finishes the work. But it finishes like this. This is what we are about We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects beyond our capabilities. We are prophets of a future, not our own. What does it mean to be a person of faith? I want to posit today that it means taking the long view. The gospel has its own way of putting it. Keep your lamps lit. I think these warnings from Jesus are meant to help us keep the main thing the main thing. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Know what it is you hope for. Keep your hope in your perspective. For me, the center of the gospel is the promise of Jesus that the reign of God is coming. In the end, God wins. Love wins. As the prophet says to the people in Isaiah this morning, You will cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, plead for the widow. Justice will roll down like waters, and righteousness like an overflowing stream. We will pound swords into plowshares. The challenge, in the words of Jesus, is to seek first the kingdom of God. Maintaining the long view can be difficult. We can get distracted. It is often hard to keep awake. I've told you before, I'm struggling this season with watching the news. I'm so glad the Olympics started this week because the paper and the radio will have something else to talk about besides the election cycle. This has been a brutal political season so far. Now, I do believe in the separation of church and state. I will never endorse a candidate from this pulpit, 
The church can't even endorse a candidate if the candidate is sitting in our pews and running unopposed. Not to name a name. <laughs> but I can talk about the general sense of the political landscape. I find myself tired and irritable after reading news about this election. It seems so often this year that we're not being asked to vote for a candidate or an idea or a vision of what our world could be. We're being asked to vote to keep someone out of office, someone awful. The overall tone is so negative. This is true on both sides of the aisle. There was an interview on NPR this week that was balm for my soul in the midst of all of this. Keezer Khan was interviewed by Kelly McEvers on All Things Considered. Khan is the far father of U.S. Army Captain Humayun Khan, the war hero killed in Iraq, who happened to be a Muslim and from an immigrant family. The father famously offered Donald Trump his pocket constitution. What moved me wasn't his rhetoric at the convention. It was the passion in his voice when McEvers asked him about the constitution. Khan immigrated to this country he eventually attended Harvard Law School and practices law himself. His constitution wasn't a prop for the night. He often carries it with him in his jacket pocket. The copy is worn from use and filled with underlines and highlights. McEvers asked him to read something that was particularly meaningful for him. He picked the 14th Amendment. You could hear the emotion in his voice as he read the guarantee for equal protection under the law to all citizens born and naturalized. You could hear the faith that this man had in the Constitution, the faith of an immigrant who chose to come to these United States because he hoped for that equal protection. He hoped for safety, security, and the chance to make a new life in the place where he did not have to fear his own country's army or police force. He holds on to that hope literally in his breast pocket. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. In the midst of such a negative climate, keeping our eyes on the ideals we all share, in the midst of all the muck, to lift up our eyes and focus on our common values. When the going is rough and slow and frustrating, to take the long view, to keep our eyes on the prize and to trust that God is doing better for us than we can do for ourselves, that is faith. As the world changes around us, can we be a community that helps lift up people's eyes? Can we rise above the frustrating humdrum and offer hope? Can we take the long view? Together, can we be people of faith? Amen.